You're listening to the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpott, providing you inspiration, information, knowledge, and motivation to help you on your soul's path. Covering topics related to health and happiness from the mystical to the metaphysical and everything in between. Making the unknown known. Now let's join the podcast to discover today's topic. And we are recording. Hello, Dr. Wendy. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Yeah, so I hear you had a busy morning to, today. Uh, so, uh, Lee, you want to tell us all about that? Sure. So, yeah, so I'm living in just outside of a small town, Winthor, Saskatchewan, and um, we have a bison ranch. And so we have two baby bison right now that are needing to be bottle fed. So uh, that's different <laughs> for sure is a little yeah so they're they're doing well but that's a piece of the puzzle and then we have chickens that was like a mother's day present that need to be like fed and watered and it's just it's just busy 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 and it's my day off of course so you know that's the day that patients have questions and concerns and crises so you know running to the office uh, that kind of thing so anyhow I mean it is what it is <laughs> yeah I mean uh, so I, I've always been curious when I first uh again I got to shout out to uh Don for hooking us up uh, I really appreciate that Don. yeah um she told me that you basically packed up everything from Orangeville moved to Saskatchewan to raise bison and my brain yeah. was thinking that is like the coolest thing in the world. I love, <laughs> I love stories like that because it's so inspirational because she told me it was like just one of these synchronistic events that you decided like, and you wanted to do this, but you never had like that little motivation, but where did it all start? Well, I was actually flying out to Saskatchewan um, to see one of my best friends for her birthday. And so I just ended up sitting beside Dean on the plane was sort of how it worked. Um, so we just sort of had this connection and then it was, I didn't have any big grand desire to move out West and to live in the middle of nowhere and <laughs> raise bison and pigs and chickens. Uh, I'd grown up on a farm when we were younger. I mean, a small little hobby farm, but nothing at all to the extent. And so, yeah, so I was just doing the commuting back and forth and, you know, it was getting a bit much. I was, I mean, at the time I was able to fly and it was like every other week, but in, in Ontario, I had a clinic and I, you know, I own the building and I had practitioners and so everything was going well. Um, but yeah, I just, Dean has three children. So it was a matter of if we we're going to be, you know, long-term, I was going to relocate and it didn't seem to be a big deal. Like it kind of just fit. I actually, because at the end of my day, usually I'm so tired and burned. I, I don't really want to be around some people, you know, at the end of working with people, <laughs> always I'm yes. tapped out. So to be kind of isolated, I don't mind. Um, and uh, yeah, so anyhow, it, it's kind of, I guess the only, I feel like I'm kind of a boring person. So that's, that's exciting. <laughs> that was the exciting piece. And so now my parents keep telling me I should write a book because like the stories, you know, there's just, there's stuff and there's things that you just don't appreciate when you live in, like the GTA ish area of, of Southern Ontario. Yeah. And that's just, I'm just kind of just like, uh, just let everybody know where she is in Saskatchewan. So for, for us Canadians who are listening, we fully understand where Saskatchewan is and we know, right. cause you're just South of Regina, right? Yeah. An hour and a half, hour and a half Southeast. Yeah. So that's in like the middle of the country. That's in the, uh, you know, the bread box as they would call it. So it's that's like right. somebody moving from New York, moving out to South Dakota. So for my American listeners, yes, in, the middle of, in the middle of nowhere, South Dakota, because yeah. it, it's basically just a road, uh, a few buildings, and then your house and then the farm. That's Pretty what I, I looked at. I looked up on Google. I was like, okay, where is she? 
And I was like, you are really in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll go for a run and a busy day is if I have like four or five trucks past me, like that is like busy. <laughs> that, oh, that's, that's amazing. I mean, how many bison do you, uh, do you guys raise? Gosh, we probably have four or 500 right now. Oh, wow. That many. So it's not mm -hmm. a hobby farm. It's, it's a full on, it's a yeah. full on business. Now, the, uh, the bison yourself, are you selling them for, for the meat? Is that, is that what you're raising them for? Exactly. Yeah. So we actually ship them to Alberta, uh, rangeland meats is the, the company that we work with. And so they process them and then we package and then we sell anywhere. In fact, we're actually going to be with HelloFresh starting next month, which is kind of exciting. So bison wow. will be on the menu. Yeah. For the next three months, which is awesome. So that's very exciting, but yeah, we sort of distribute pretty much anywhere. Um, but we try, it's all Canadian. And I think that's the big thing too, is a lot of producers will ship down to the States, all the slaughter happens there, and then it ships back. We do it all here. Yeah. That doesn't really make sense. I never understood why we would do that. Like, cause so many other businesses do that anyways, they'll ship down there, they'll manufacture it down there, and then we'll have to buy it back from them, which doesn't really make sense. I mean, yeah, it's such exactly. a beautiful product too. Like I'm, my background is in culinary. I'm a former chef. So when I found out oh, your wow. bison, oh yeah. Like I was like, oh, bison, that is like the yeah. best. That is like the quintessentially, I mean, sure. Beef is good. I love my beef, but when you get like bison, like there's a really a big difference in just the quality of meats and the just also overall texture of the meat too. I, I find anyways with bison well, versus cattle. Yeah, they're a real wild animal. Like there is no coddling these. I mean, the fact that we have two bison that we're bottle feeding is highly unusual. Like we haven't, I have not done that in the five years I've been out here. And I mean, they do their thing. There is no like pulling cows or anything, <laughs> you know, when they're, you know, when they're calving, they're doing their own thing. So I think that's part of it. Like they are true wild animals and they don't get the same feedlotting that a lot of beef do. They don't get the same antibiotics, the cat, like a lot of those additives that we get in a lot of beef products, bison just don't have that. They just have a natural, stronger immune system because of this being right. wild, which is fantastic right. because again, less product that you have to worry about. I mean, I mean, they're almost like, I wouldn't say they're like hands off, but they're, they mean, you're less likely to, you know, have to go out there, you know, poking with some antibiotics, you know, look after them again, calving, stuff like that. They're, they kind of know what they're doing. It's just like, here, let us alone, give us some fresh air, give us lots of space. Yeah. And away you go. Now, do you supplement oh. their feed at all with, with the uh, bison at all? Well, there are, most of them are on pasture right now. And okay. so then we do give them some pellets, but they're pellets made of like, um, we do a lot of, like we plant a lot of, um, oh gosh, it's a special kind of crop that basically would be like alfalfa and that kind of thing. So they're not getting heaps of barley or a lot of like a lot of that they're all, it's all the grasses so they are given bales and some pellets but um not not for most of their lives wow that's that's so cool like uh yeah that's i wanted to talk to you about this and i was like okay i want to talk about other things but i'm such a big fan of cooking and and uh, beautiful food and you know bison too as well i was like maybe we'll just talk about the whole podcast about bison sure yeah, yeah we can talk bison <laughs> i know a lot more now than i did five years ago that's for sure well i took a picture of this big bottle and like the stuff and i'm like this is why i went to medical school right like this is what you do is you bottle feed these like yeah not so teeny animals 
Maybe you should have went to vet school eh? instead. I know. I know. Exactly. It would sometimes be a little bit more helpful. <laughs> yeah. Cause I would have saved you some vet bills anyways. That it would be like, okay. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, no problem. I can do injections. No problem. Just give me the medication and just show up. But uh, that's fantastic. Um, and I want to say thank you uh, for the teas too, as well. I mean, you have a beautiful oh, tea camp, uh, tea company. Um, I'm kind of addicted to the anti-inflammatory one. I kind of having this awesome. right now. So just give me a second here. Good. I am so glad you like, that's probably one of my favorites. Actually. I really like that one. I'm addicted to it. Like I'm like that whole vanilla that, cause again, my whole culinary brain kind of goes, Oh, vanilla. Love that. But it's not with the ingredients I found it wasn't too harsh either. Cause some anti-inflammatory teas just, they taste like shit. Be honest with it. They really, they taste like shit. So when you had the formulation, I'm always curious. I love trying new stuff. But when I, I tried your formula, uh, your formula from the tea, and especially this one, I thought, okay, it's it's that creamy texture to it. It's not overly bitter. It's got a very smooth thing. So how long or how long did it take you to formulate those specific types of teas? How long did it take you to make all these? Because you got a, what, 10 different teas or is it 13 now? I've got, yeah, 14 actually. 14, yeah. <laughs> Just a few. Um, so I've been sort of doing this probably, if I think back for, like it started about 10 years ago and it started with me going to a conference of a world-renowned naturopath. And he was saying, you know, he gives his patients three cups of this tea and three cups of that tea and, you know, nine cups of tea. I'm like, oh my gosh, my patients don't drink three cups of water, making them, you know, ask them to drink nine cups of tea. So I initially started just sort of blending them myself and that got sort of overwhelming and so I put it on the back burner. But then I started because so much of my practice is was at the time and still is like a lot of hormone balance. Um, I started like, well, why don't I throw some herbs in that can actually sort of make, you know, this true medicine. So that was sort of where it started. And then just over the last couple of years, my first line, the balance line. And so actually the first tea, the adrenal balance that I sent you, that was sort of my first kick at the can. And, you know, the ingredients in it are amazing. The taste, sometimes you like it, sometimes because it's sort of more citrusy, that's the rose hips. Um, but so the first line was all about hormones. So, you know, st adrenal stress, thyroid, menopause, you know, diabetes, all of that. But then a lot of times people are saying, well, I need something for inflammation or I need something for sleep. So that's where the second line came from. So it's been a work in progress, really. But as far as, you know, I come up with these ideas in my head, I'm like, I like these herbs. And now how do we make it taste good? And then how do we make it medicinally? Because that's the thing. I mean, something could be wonderful for you. And if it tastes awful, you're not drinking it as an enjoyable cup of tea. Like then it becomes a shot that you do and chase with something else. <laughs> so. Yeah, that is so true. There's so many times uh, my uh, Chinese uh, practitioner, Chinese yes. uh, medicine practitioner, she'll give yes. me some herbs. And I love my herbs and they're fantastic. They help me out. But man, yeah. It's, it's, it's enough to try to just swallow yeah, that. It's awful. like, yeah, you got, you want to take a, a chaser or something. And I commend you on just creating that formula so that it is tasting good too, as well, because that's really, I mean, from a culinary perspective, I used to get in trouble for that all the time when I was inventing something, we're doing a plate and I always, my, my used to drive my chef. Cause I was so focused on what it would look like in the ingredients. I forgot about all about the taste. It was all about how it looked on the plate versus like, you know, it tastes good. It's say, Oh, it looks brilliant. And then you taste it and had no flavor, had no this. And so I really appreciate that aspect of it too. So with tea itself, now, are you basically recommending a lot of this with your patients? Are you seeing that it's just a, an easier way to get them, you know, to take their medicine? 
Yeah, I mean, initially it was, you know, I believe in food as medicine. Absolutely. I mean, food can be poison or it can, you know, be medicine. And so, so many people, they either come to me, you know, with a bag full of supplements or, you know, they end up sort of accumulating some, but they just, they'd rather, you know, eat or drink their medicine. And so that was really sort of the, the foundation or the idea, I guess, as you say, behind it. And, and now it's just an agent. I mean, tea is out second to water. It's the most commonly drunk substance on the planet. So, you know, if people are drinking this anyhow, why don't we have them drinking something that's going to help them feel a bit better? Um, so that's sort of it. But I mean, am I substituting for some people? They're, you know, they're not maybe taking their turmeric pill. They're having the anti-inflammatory tea. And some, for some, it's just in addition to. Yeah, just- uh, But just, it doesn't uh, look overwhelming. Yeah, I think that's the nice thing about it. It is because- it's so profound, but yet so subtle at the same time, which, you know, it is, it's just, and that's exactly nature's medicine. Like that's exactly it. Yeah. And I think that's the, the power of, you know, of, you know, of, of the herbal plants itself. Like, I mean, it's nothing, something like, you know, you take the pharmaceutical thing and it happens, it's very aggressive. It, you know, it works right away, but again, there's always those side effects and it's just this, you know, there's always those, those, those trade-off between the two, right? You know, do you want something that's fast acting and aggressive, or do you want something that's subtle and a little more helpful and beneficial over a long term? And I guess sometimes in our brains, you know, just being humans, we want it now. We want that instant fix now instead of yes. looking at long term. Yeah. So with the. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Quick fix society. <laughs> yeah. We were so much like that. So I had to question like your base of your teas right now, it seems to be like it's ribose, oolong, and green, right? Are the base fundamentals of most of your teas. Yeah. Why those specific teas? Because, so it was actual, um, he's deceased now, but Dr. Walter Crinian, those were the three teas that he recommended three cups of all of these teas and foundationally. And in fact, the, the course that it was, that I learned about this was all about detoxification. Like that was his big thing was environmental medicine. And so those three teas together are really what we call lipogenic, like they are lipolytic, I should say, so they help your body to, to burn fat. And fat is where most of our toxins are stored. So, you know, yes, losing weight if you have too much of it is a good idea, but these teas actually help to do that and they help to naturally detoxify. So I truly, truly believe so much of what we're seeing in the chronic illness realm is so much to do with toxicity. And so every tea, except for the deep sleep, because obviously we don't want too much caffeine when you're trying to fall asleep, will have these three teas in them. So that's where, you know, there's a lot of ingredients in some of these teas. They all work synergistically, but fun, fun, fundamentally, I just needed to keep those in because that was the root of, you know, why it started 10 years ago. Okay. So let's talk ingredients. Cause I think that's really important because, uh, when you look at the, the base of your teas and what you have available, I mean, there's, they're very fantastic. I mean, and they're very simple. A lot of people have heard about these things. So again, it's based on the detox principle for the most part uh, with the thermogenic abilities with the, the teas itself. So on the physiological aspect of the teas. And so it's mainly the, the chemicals are in the fat cells, correct? Is that, is that where most of the chemicals are? Yeah. So when we, I mean, there's water soluble and fat soluble, fat soluble toxins. And so the water soluble ones are typically a little bit easier to detoxify naturally, whereas fat soluble toxins, they just stick around for a long time. Um, and that's why, you know, some people, when they do these like really quick weight loss programs, ridiculous, and they drop a ton of weight, they feel awful. I mean, sometimes they're nutrient depleted, but because they're actually detoxifying so rapidly. So yeah, there are both water and fat soluble toxins, but it's the fat soluble ones that tend to hang around for a long time. Okay. 
So one of the things I was curious about with the adrenals, um, I know so many people have adrenal fatigue and I'm one of them. Um, and I'm trying to get off coffee and coffee is kind of one of those lovely things that, uh, really take a toll on the adrenal gland, but your tea base has caffeine in it. Right. Yeah. So the difference is, so when you drink, sorry, no, go, go, no. I, I mean, I want you to kind of maybe just kind of walk us through the, the thought process of what maybe the difference in understanding, you know, what the difference between coffee and the herbal teas and the tea itself, yeah. caffeine. Sure. So, I mean, from a physiological side of just the actual amount of caffeine, there's far less in my teas than there would be for most cups of coffee. And so what caffeine does is it sort of whips the adrenal glands. So it gets them going, it revs them up. It's kind of like, you know, whipping a tired horse for some people if their adrenals are, you know, insufficient or, or fatigued. And so um, there's that piece, you know, it's, it's just making us go when really we probably shouldn't. The other piece too is there's a jitteriness, there's anxiety sometimes that come with too much coffee, um, that it's, it's more so the, the coffee caffeine as opposed to the tea caffeine. The reason for that is green tea in particular, matcha as the highest, they contain L-theanine. And so L-theanine is a chemical that's found in Camilla sinensis, so the, the, the teas. Um, and so it actually calms our brain down. So if you have like that busy, buzzy, you know, monkey brain, tea will actually calm it down even while you've got that bit of an energy lift with the, with the caffeine. So it actually physically, it, it physiologically works a bit different than, than coffee. The other thing too with coffee is it's a really, um, it is a heavy duty stimulant, but it also sort of congests our liver a little bit. And so liver, hugely important for detoxification. And so you, you know, we're getting that jolt, but then we're also sort of slowing things down metabolically with, with that coffee. So I don't think you know, I just don't like coffee. I've never drunk it. I'm not against it necessarily, but um, I just find that you can get, you know, a lift from the tea. You just don't get the same buzz and you don't get the same sort of, um, it, quite honestly, you're toxifying yourself a little bit with your coffee. You're detoxing with some of the teas. So it basically congests the liver. Is that correct? You were saying? Yeah. So too much of it. We actually find women that will drink too much coffee, like they'll get things like fibrocystic breast disease, different things that are symptoms of a congested liver. So a little bit is generally not too bad because that bitter uh, taste will actually get the liver going, but too much of it, it's like too much of a good thing. It just, it's overdrive and it just, um, yeah, it it just congests it. The other piece too is most coffee, because it is such a lucrative product, I mean, everyone's drinking it. Um, there is a lot of mold to be found in coffee. And so you really? Have to be really, really, yes, actually. Um, you may have heard of Dave Asprey. He's a sort of biohacker from BC. He has um, Bulletproof Radio is his, is his podcast, but he also has Bulletproof Coffee. And his whole thing was he had terrible mold toxicity. And so he did a deep dive research into coffee and found that so many of the products that we are drinking contain mold. And so, you know, you're sort of getting this boost, but then the mold toxins can actually impact your brain a little bit. So coffee contain mold can, can contain mold, but it also has a whole whack of pesticides and herbicides and chemicals. Again, because it's such a lucrative product, they don't want to lose any of it. So you have to be sort of mindful of, of where you're getting your coffee. Yeah. I, I, I knew about the herbicides and pesticides angle of that. I mean, obviously that's just one of the, one of the things of any cash crop or any, anything like that out there. But the mold though, that is really something that I did not know. Mm. So what type, is it just a, is it just from storage or is it just natural that the plant has, uh, or is it just through the process or just of storing it because they're trying to produce so many of it, it's bags and bags sitting in some warehouse, just collecting 
the mold from that. Yeah, more than likely. Absolutely. It's not inherently a moldy bean. Like, you know, peanuts are tend to be a lot of mold, but like, yeah, coffee beans are not. It's generally the storage of that, that, that being in that. So, you know, and the irony is you want, you want the organic because then you're not getting all the chemicals, but then sometimes the organic, because it's organic, it doesn't have all the fungicides and pesticides <laughs> might have some mold. So that's why you sort of, you know, and you know, you're going to say, okay, well, what's a good coffee? I don't actually know because I don't drink it. Um, and I have no affiliation with Bulletproof Coffee, but I do know that it is tested for mold specifically. So if anyone does have any, you know, mold sensitivity, that might be something they want to look into. Well, I'm definitely going to look into that. I've been trying to get off coffee for a long time and I've been struggling. I had a really stressful job prior to COVID. I mean, I was traveling all the time and I always needed that pick me up, but I'm finding it now that, you know, as I sit there, even to do my podcasting, it's like, you know, I'm sitting in front of the computer, I'm getting editing done. And, you know, an hours later you're sitting there and it's just like, let me have a cup of coffee. And I notice it, it, it finding it so much harsher now, but yeah. like you were saying with the tea, I don't get that same type of effects. It's like, I kind of feel awake, uh, alert, I should say, and awake. And, but I don't have that jittery, like, oh, I got to do something. Oh, I got to do something. I got all this nervous energy. And I don't feel the, the after effects of my stomach either. Uh, I know that. Yes. Yeah. Which I know coffee is a, uh, is a real bad bowel, st uh, bowel stimulant. Is that correct? Yep. On that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it does mm -hmm. that too, as well. Yeah. It's really interesting how the, the difference between coffees and teas really, really makes. So sourcing your ingredients, how much is your ingredients local? like Canadian? Um, probably not that much in that I'm there. So there's a woman actually in Ontario that gets all of them. And then she doesn't the, 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 I guess, buying of them, but things like the green tea, the Roy, like rooibos comes from Africa. A lot of the green tea is India, China. So no, they're not, you know, I have looked and I'm growing, you know, in my herb garden this year as much as I can, but to make these particular formulations, it's well, especially in Saskatchewan, we're in like zone three, which is practically the Arctic. It's really tough to grow things out here. Toronto, Southern Ontario, it's way easier. So I have a greenhouse. It's in a box. It hasn't been set up yet, but might <laughs> I might be able to grow more of my teas eventually. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the hard things, but again, it's just following the quality sources of uh, stuff. So you have a supplier yeah. that does that. So are the, basically everything's organic too as well? Yeah. Yeah. So they're organic and things like that. So what is one of your better selling teas that you find that are, is the most popular or the one that you most recommend? Is it the anti-inflammatory one or is it just because all depends on what's happening with the people yeah, out there? Yeah, it's sort of, it really sort of depends. I mean, the anti-inflammatory is huge. It really is. And it and works for sort of levels of inflammation. So people have like, you know, achy joints, you know, it'll definitely help. But a lot of people have a lot of systemic inflammation. It's actually amazing for something that a lot of people don't think about, but um, there's a condition called non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which basically happens when we have too much sugar, too much fructose, we're not burning it off. So the body sort of stores all of this extra fat in our liver and congests the liver. And so turmeric that is in the anti-inflammatory tea is really, really good for your liver function. So anybody, so this is sort of why it's hard to, to in, in a way, you know, support or not support, but sell some of these teas in, in form because 
each ingredient can be doing, you know, so many different things. So you think, well, anti-inflammatory and liver disease, like how do those sort of work together? But um, I would say that that's, it's good for, for all of that. So I do sell a lot of that. The common joy recently and spirit have been huge. So the spirit tea is really just sort of like an afternoon, you're drinking the tea, you want a cup of, you know, you're drinking, um, so you're reading a book or you just, you feel like you need just you've had a big long day like that is really great just for to sort of take the edge off versus the common joy which really I developed for anxiety and depression and you know with COVID with everything that's been going on the last you know 12 to 18 months those two I am seeing a significant impact in my practice and I mean everybody is but what's interesting is you know you sort of think oh it's you know it's May or almost June things are getting nicer outside and I don't know what exactly is happening you know psychologically forever but I just find that people's moods now are just worse than they were say in like February March so the spirit and the the common joy are really really important okay so what's in the common joy what's the the main ingredients yeah so there is um passion flower which I love so passion flower is a beautiful flower and it is super calming passion flower actually increases GABA in our brain and GABA is that calming neurotransmitter helps us sleep helps us feel good so it's got some of that in it it also has St. John's wort so St. John's wort people know for very effective for mild to moderate depression very very and so some people, if they want to be really careful, if they're taking SSRIs or antidepressants, they, I have to put the warning on the label that if you're on the SSRIs, talk to your doctor first. The, I, I have never seen anybody have any problems, but just to be mindful of that. So it does have um, St. John's wort. It also has ashwagandha and ashwagandha is probably one of my absolute favorite. Well, I can't really have a favorite herb. I have lots of favorite herbs, but well, I mean, there's, it seems great. to be a base of a lot of your, a lot yeah, of your, it's so geez. good. It's such a great adaptogen. So it helps the body adapt to stress. So if you're like buzzy, 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 it brings you down. If you're like, Oh, I got you to peel me off the floor. It kind of brings you up. And so, so much of anxiety and depression is a stress response. I truly believe that. I don't always think it's just a, a you know a neural or a neurotransmitter. So it's really effective. Um, and then it also has some lavender, which is soothing as well. So yeah, so the lavender are- is, is beautiful. I love lavender. Uh, you know, like it's just the smell of it too, as yeah. well has that calming smell to it. It's fantastic. So what is St. John War? I've heard that so many times. So that is usually mm. the herb that you use for depression. Is that correct on that? That's right. Yeah. So maybe walk us through that a little bit more in detail about St. John's. Sure, War. yeah. St. John's were actually in Ontario when I used to do mountain biking up in around Collingwood and just in some of those trails, it grows wild along the roads. Like it's awesome. It's this beautiful little yellow flower and um, Hypericum perforatum is its botanical name. And it has, it's actually, yeah, it's got all sorts of neat, neat qualities, but it in, um, you know, in a pill form or in a higher tea form, it actually can help. And the studies show this, that for mild to moderate depression, it is as good or better than some of the antidepressants on helping to minimize that depressive symptoms and really without any side effects. I mean, the biggest thing for St. John's where you need to be careful of is some people have a little bit more sun sensitivity um, and at high, high doses, it can actually impact birth control just because of the way that it is, is converted in the liver. But again, such a safe and you know gentle antidepressant for people that need it. Wow. I mean, it's so amazing because I've heard so many horror stories with people being on antidepressants yeah. and, and it's, it's when they try to come off it, that's when yeah. the real problem goes. It's, they can never usually get off them or they just have to try to taper, taper, taper for years before their body, you know, gets off them. But for the most part, once you're on them, 
it's a real yeah. hard road to get off that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and that's where the crashes and the real problems you begin because somebody say, oh, I'm fine. I won't take my medication today. And then they crash and then they were low before. And then when they get off them, it's like, they're really low. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it can be real scary. So I'll use St. John's wort actually in my protocols to help wean people from their medication. Oh, okay. That's, that's a really, that's a really interesting way of doing it. So we have the, the common joy there. Um, your hormone balancing too, as well. So you have the ashwagandha in the hormone balancing. Is that kind of like the, the, the main ingredient in the hormone balancing? Uh, well in the hormone balance line, do you mean, yeah. or yeah, in general, no, yeah. Yeah, no, it, cause it's not in all of them. It's just, no. yeah, it, sort of, it, it just goes so well. Like if you look up the monograph for ashwagandha, it has so many different benefits. Um, so it, it does help with hormones. It helps with stress. It helps with inflammation. So you can't really go wrong. Yeah. It's, it's one of those really, really good herbs. Now with your formulization, um, you basically took you a few years to kind of figure out, you know, all the different types of formulas and where you wanted to go with that. Now, as far as your ratios go, um, because, you know, did you have a specific, you know, cause you learned basically from this doctor about teas, did he have a specific ratio of, you know, uh, rooibos versus green tea versus, um, uh, oolong, uh, or is that something that you figured out your ratio yourself just through testing? Yeah, he, he didn't because he literally was just saying like three cups, three cups, three cups. So he just sort of said, you know, equal parts of all of these. Um, and I truly believe in the whole synergy of a lot of the herbs. So, you know, when it comes to doing the labeling and, you know, looking at Health Canada and all that, then, you know, they need the ingredients. I do have those breakdowns, you know, so that technically they, you know, people know exactly how much is in each tea, but it's not so much the individual teas in isolation are so important. It's the, it's how they all work together. And I think because they're still in virtually they're like, they're in their natural form. They're just a little bit dried out. They carry so many of those other, you know, nutrients and all those other, like the, the, power I guess they work really well together so it doesn't always matter the ratio and I also need it to taste good <laughs> so sometimes I need to sort of you know bring down the rooibos because it has a very distinct taste and if something's a little bit bitter I'm going to sort of you know modify some of the greens so um it it's yeah it, it's a bit of an art I guess yeah it's just fine-tuning yeah and a lot I of know. yeah how many, yeah, how many of your family and friends have you been? Oh, hey, what are you guys doing today? Um, I want you to come over and taste some tea. Yeah, there's like the lineup of teas and everybody's like double blind. And <laughs> close Do you your like eyes. this one? Smell yeah. this one. Do you like this one? And then taking notes. Yeah, that's just, and again, it's just like recipe testing for anything else. It's just going through all the different recipes mm -hmm. and going through that. So as part of your practice too, as well, like, are you mainly focusing on botanical medicines on your, uh, on your practice at all or... I use a lot of botanicals, but I have a pretty eclectic practice. I mean, I am the only naturopath for a two hour drive, basically, or an hour and a half. So people, I mean, I have one guy who was driving three and a half hours one way. I mean, in Southern Ontario, people are annoyed if they're driving more than 12 minutes. So you know, I'm like, I have a pretty, so it's a very diverse, um, and again, yeah, very diverse eclectic. So, I mean, I really use virtually everything. I mean, I treat the common cold to cancer. And so in that I use nutrition as a foundation. Um, I use definitely, you know, herbal medicine. I use new, different, you know, pharma or nutraceuticals, I should say. I also use intravenous therapy. So I actually inject vitamins and minerals into people. So it really is very, very diverse. And I think it just have to be, cause I see everything. It's not just yeah. one yeah, area. 
it, it's almost like, you know, it's like an old school doctor mm -hmm. back in the 1800s where it's like for miles and miles, there was only one doctor and everybody had to get in a horse and buggy and drive like, you know, two hours to go see the doctor, you know? Yeah. Now, do you, uh, do you go mobile yourself too as well? Yeah. So I do it much less, thank goodness. And I mean, the, the upside of COVID, we have to, you know, see as many silver linings as we can because so many more people now are open to vis uh, like virtual consults, phone consults, that's been awesome. So that's helped, you know, minimize their travel and some of mine, but I do commute to a city, which is an hour and 20 minutes from here called Estevan. Um, it's really close to the American border. And so I go there once a month right now, but I'm really just located in, in my teeny tiny little town of Winthorst, <laughs> population <laughs> 303. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, listen, I lived in a small, small area just north of, uh, or just south of Kenora. So for, oh, wow. for a year. Okay. yeah. So it's a place called Sioux Narrow. So we didn't think, even, I think during the summer it was 300 and the winter time it was yeah. like maybe 50. <laughs> so yeah, I know it's small town. Well, I actually grew up in a small, smallish town anyway. So, you know, I didn't grow up in a farm, but hmm. it was a very uh, rural community. So I understand the whole idea about that. Um, I wanted to talk to you about something that was interesting. I found on your website too, is about um, ATP. Um, I found this oh, very, yes. I found it was so fascinating. I, I very, very interesting. And because I suffer with from allergies for, for years as a kid, it was like absolutely brutal. Like it was just one of the worst things that ever happened getting injections and stuff like that. And when I saw that you do this and I was like, what, I've never heard about this allergy protocol. Like, what is this all about? Maybe you can just uh, let our listeners know what, what we're talking about. Sure. So yeah, I thought it was pretty crazy when I first heard about it. And it probably has been the only time that I've literally been stopped on the, you know, the road, you know, Wendy, my husband doesn't have ragged allergies anymore, or my son doesn't have egg allergies. And so the whole concept, it is based on um, like quantum physics, ultimately. So it's really energy and vibration. And so it starts off, we do muscle testing. And so it's a way of actually sort of seeing how does your body respond? Does a certain substance make it stronger or make it weaker? And so we go through that um, and really just sort of find a list of things that are you know, weakening your body. And then basically I just have um, the client lie down on a table and they hold onto a probe. And there's a machine that basically helps to take sort of the energetic, I guess the fingerprint, the energetic fingerprint of whatever is causing the problem. And then we just different acupuncture points. And so what it's sort of doing is almost like, like you would have had allergy shots when you're a child, getting teeny tiny amounts of substance X so that your body can kind of, you know, become tolerant to it. We're doing that energetically. And I mean, I sort of say that initially as like, this sounds crazy. People already think I'm crazy. You know, I'm a naturopath that sort of comes to the territory, but the, the results were phenomenal, like absolutely awesome. And so, you know, I had one guy when I was using this a lot in Ontario and, you know, he was working outside as a golf course um, maintenance and, you know, he couldn't wear sunscreen. He'd have all these hives. And so we were able to kind of balance his body so that he wasn't so reactive. And um, yeah, I do a lot of just the standard, you know, pollens and grasses and molds, but also some food sensitivities as well. So it really just helps to bring the body back into balance. That being said, um, I am finding that people are just so toxic that we can't just do this protocol. You need to do some diet work. Like you need to clean up and not just diet, but lifestyle, like, you know, clean up. If you're, if you're someone that uses a lot of like smelly detergents or those Scentsy or Febreze plugins, like get rid of those, like those are lethal. Like any of those fake scents are soap congesting for us or, you know, plastics and people don't know, but I mean, I will have people come into my office and I need to like fumigate when they leave just because I can smell the detergent 
And I'm like, gosh, that's like on your skin, you're absorbing that, that is inhibiting your body from actually healing, which then, you know, makes some of these other um, treatments that need good, clean energy to do the work a little bit harder. So that's usually what, first of all, you kind of look at overall their health and say, okay, you're, you're way too toxic. Your environment's way too toxic. The, the amount of food or whatever else you have in your environment is really bad. We need to kind of change that up. Let's change that up. Let's see what happens. And then once you start having that protocol and they start, you know, changing out the, you know, all the different um, detergents and things like that and dish soaps, I know how to change mine. Like my dish soap, I didn't realize that it's like the nastiest stuff in there. It like the great thing about this podcast, it is illuminated me like to the T, like all the different stuff that's out there. And it's sometimes it's, it's scary at the same time it's illuminating, but it's a lot of times it's frustrating. It's like, Oh my God, I can't believe I'm putting this stuff on my body. Like what's the, what's the deal on this? So, so uh, do you actually have to have the actual um, chemical or the product uh, in hand to do the testing, let's say, for example, they're, you know, they're having this dish soap, or maybe they're not sure if it's the dish soap. Do you have to ask them to bring samples in of particular products? Yeah. Yeah. So I've got, you know, special horse hair or, you know, dog hair or, and I mean, when I was doing this a lot, I, I had boxes of random little vials of everything, but I mean, I have generic ones, but I find it works so much better when it is the specific you know, laundry detergent or, you know, you know, grandma's strawberry jam that you don't know if that's what's causing the problem. So yeah, I I do. Some people are good about just sort of being able to like energetically work it. I I just, I'm not able to do that. Okay. So after that, the protocol is, so it's basically using an acupuncture point. So what specific points are you using? Are you using specific organ points or using just like Ren lines or just like the liver points, you know, spleen, like what points it's, are you actually working? Um, that's a really good question. You know, it's funny because I don't remember all of the points. I know there's definitely some liver, some kidneys, some spleen, but they, they don't, they're all right. So there's some on the, on the face, there's some at the collarbones, a lung point, And then I have a lot of the distal points on the toes. Um, but I haven't looked into the names in a long time. I just know them automatically. <laughs> yeah. You just say, okay, here. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause I'm just like visualizing. I was just trying to figure out. So it's not actually a needle going into the, no. Ac- no. So there's no needles involved. No, it's a, it's a sort of an laser is the way some people will promote it. Um, there are some, there's a woman in Caledon East actually in Ontario that does the, does it. Um, and I think it's, INHT, maybe that's the, the big long, but I think INHT.ca, they probably have a listing of a lot of the practitioners virtually all over the country and all over North America. So this is uh, somebody in Caledon because, you know, I'm really interested in like looking at yeah. this. Um, okay. I think she's still practicing. Um, I can try to find you her contact, but yeah, Caledon East and okay. yeah, Zarenka. Okay. I'll, I'll look into that. So it's called INHT is the is the uh, governing the body other organization. So yeah. it's the governing body of that too, as well. And so, okay. I, but if I type in ATP um, allergy tr- uh, treatment protocol, would that show up too as well? If we're looking at that? Probably not because I sort of branded that a little bit myself because I do things a little bit differently, but it would be the INHT that would give you all the practitioners. Okay. So they, yeah, that's something interesting. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Yeah. Cause I've suffered for years and I, you know, it's, as I get older, there was like a period of time where uh, it kind of phased out. It wasn't so bad, but then as I got older, it's like, okay, man, my allergies are starting to kick up. And it's like, you know, especially now, you know, the eyes are, you know, inflamed and stuff like that. That's really, uh, really amazing stuff. So overall with your tea company, 
you're basically shipping out anywhere, right? You can pretty yeah. well. Yeah. 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 Now, is there, is there um, a delay in timing? Do, are they made fresh? Like how? Um, yeah. Shelf stable. So the teas actually, because they're dehydrated, I mean, they last like two years. Like, so they are really long, which, you know, doesn't surprise if you look at most people's tea cupboards, you know, it's kind of like you have to like open the door a little bit because there's a, you know, tsunami of tea. Um, of course, that's not what happens with my tea because they get drunk so quickly, like, you know, there's constant turnover, but they do have really good shelf stability, which is awesome. And I mean, because they, they can be drunk hot or cold, that's sort of the beauty of them as well. They're good as iced teas, but most people drink more tea, obviously, in the fall and winter. Um, but yeah, these ones are good. So I will go through you know, phases where I'm, you know, blending them and putting them together and we stock up. And then I sort of, it also depends on two certain times what I'm promoting, you know, different sales or what I'm writing my newsletters on. Yeah. Uh, now, is there one particular tea that if, if anybody was going to try one tea and you had to like, Hey, okay, this is kind of like the all time, right. probably the best tea to try. What would you recommend? Oh my goodness. That's like know, picking your favorite child. <laughs> Okay, well, can do, do I, I can mean, I give you two, can you two then? How about two? Then we'll make it even sure. easier. Yeah, I would say oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, okay, so from the my signature line, we'll say the anti-inflammatory would probably be my favorite. Um, close second would be the common joy or the deep sleep. And then from the balance line, an overall hormone balance would be like the hormone balance blend. I really like the adrenal just because everyone's so stressed these days. Um, and then the blood sugar balance blend is amazing as well. So for people that, you know, their, their diets maybe aren't totally on par and they, they do get those sort of fluctuations or they're trying to lose weight. The, the blood sugar balance blend is excellent too. It's excellent too as well. Okay. So now with the hormone blends, are there, they seem to be more, are they more geared towards females or can men uh, have the same things too as well? Yeah, like the thyroid is for both genders. So the spirit is for both genders, blood sugar and adrenal. So the only ones that are really tailored to women would be the menopause, the PMS and the hormone balance blend. I did develop one that was more sort of for prostate, but a lot of men don't want to, they don't seem to want to be openly willing to drink tea. <laughs> so that was something that I just found. It was a little bit harder to, to get out there. Um, yeah, but they, out of the seven, or I guess eight now, um, I would say four of them are gender neutral. Okay. So that's, that's good to know too, as well. Maybe you should have a brewery in the back there and you could actually do uh, a hormone balancing uh, brew for, again, another thing that you can yeah. add to your list of things that you can do besides the farming, yeah, exactly. taking care of like, you know, hundreds of people for miles around. Uh, you can do that, have your brewery in the back there. I mean, you're quite the entrepreneur anyway. So why not just add one more business yeah. in the back there? And then I got to figure out how to clone myself and we'll be good. <laughs> That's the trick. I mean, well, you don't have that in the back there too, as well. Like you don't have a little I'm working on it. That one I'm working on. <laughs> and maybe something that can actually slow down time too, as well. Mm -hmm. At yeah, the same time too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the teas, where can we find the teas? If people are interested in finding these teas, where can they find the lovely Harmony Tea Company? Where can they find that? So harmonyteco.ca. So I have a website and people can just buy it right from the website. Right easy the peasy website. and then ship. Yeah. And you so can basically ship anywhere. So that's good too as well. Now um, you don't sell directly your bison meat anywhere. You have to, it's, it's, it's basically through somebody else. 
Well, actually, there's um, Rangeland Premium Stakes is the is where you can actually buy the a lot of the bison, um, and so we actually have it so that it we it was so I shifted to my family, so we shifted from Alberta, shipped all the way to Toronto to make sure that it stayed <laughs> in good shape, and so it yeah we sell frozen, um, but you can actually buy the boxes, and so we have you know Father's Day celebrations and all that kind of stuff coming up but yeah it's rangeland rangelandpremiumstakes.com um and so you can just actually buy it right there or like i said hello fresh in the next few months you'll be able to get buys in that way which i just is awesome for i just a company and they're they have some really good values and so i'm really excited that we've been able to do that and then i locally just sell it out of my clinic <laughs> so if you're in in the area <laughs> if you again again with covid traveling if you got an rv and you're uh, going up the uh um Transcanada Highway and stuff like that, or and uh, you can Pretty stop much. in, yeah, and stop in. Or I was surprised you don't have a freezer in the back of the truck just driving around. Do you have that too as well? We do actually. Right. There is a mobile meat shop, not ours, but it's out of uh, it's in BC and Alberta, and it's actually the mobile meat shop. It's yeah, Rangeland has it, so it's like totally done up and with all the decals, and they hit like Calgary and Edmonton, Kelowna, all around there. Yeah, so not, wow. nothing in the east yet, just in the west. Yeah, I know. We got to get some of that great bison meat this way because, you know, it's barbecue season. I was just talking to a friend uh, prior to this and we were just talking about barbecuing and smoking and like my mouth was just, I live in an apartment building, so I can't have a barbecue, but I'm just like thinking about barbecue and and then it was like bison burgers. Oh my God. Like my mouth was just salivating. I'm just thinking like coleslaw and some nice potato salad with that. It's like, oh. Well, and crazy. I was like, I don't know if I was keen on this. We actually have a bison hot dog now, which I'm normally like, oh God, hot dogs. But these are like really good premium hot dogs, which is like perfect burgers and hot dogs. So without all the other crud in it, we're really particular about what goes in, like as much gluten-free as we can. Yeah. So are they gluten-free, the the dogs and the burgers? Yeah. Yeah. So is it it basically have a little bit, yeah. Do you have uh, like pork fat in it? Like what, what's the... uh, Gosh, um, that is a good question. No, they wouldn't have pork fat in them. At least not the, the burgers for sure not. Um, 100%, 100% bison, right? Yeah, they're good. They're really good. But obviously oh. I'm slightly biased. <laughs> it's all, I eat a lot of bison here. But that's okay. That's why you're so healthy. And uh, I think that once more more people start uh, enjoying bison and how beautiful that meat is, I think. You know, oh, I hope so. It's so, and it's so regenerative. Like anybody that's like, oh my gosh, like meat's bad, meat's bad. Like if they really do a deep dive, it is, we can't live with, our, our planet needs animals. Like they, we need that. We can't survive on, you know, fake soy burgers. Like it just doesn't work. And, you know, without getting political, cause that's a whole different kettle of fish. Like it's quite amazing the misinformation about the you know the beef and the bison well more so beef because it's so huge but bison kind of get clumped into that um that we do need them yeah they're very good for the environment actually (laughs) yeah i mean especially when you do like the synergistic farming and stuff like that there's so many great practices and it's old farming you know instead of this new farming it's old farming it's regenerative farming is yeah make old old be new again yeah and that's really growing now i think people are starting to realize that I think farmers do. And I, I I always say to my podcast, you know, I grew up with a lot of farm, farm boys. And I said, if you give those guys, cause they love farming, they're like all in farming. I said, if you give farmers the right tools, you give them the uh, right incentives, you uh, help them out financially you give them the right equipment, they'll do it. You just, I mean, cause they're so invested because there's, I mean, so their livelihood is just invested in so much equipment and how it, it, how it should be. Geez, I'm going to have to edit this part out because I can't even speak right now. I'm losing my train of thought. <laughs> they did it the way 
should over the way they used to. I think it would be good. Well, that's, you know, if you want to read, does that work? <laughs> that's what I was looking for. Lord. Um, well, check out, there's a really cool book called Metabolical, actually, by okay. a Dr. Robert Lustig. It is awesome. And he's done a whack of podcasts, but he talks a lot about how the food industry has basically, you know, food industry, big food, big pharma, they're kind of in bed together. And that is why we're having the health issues that we do. And he talks a little bit about, you know, why the, you know, we need to go back to, you know, pre-feedlot and pre-antibiotics and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's actually, actually a great book. I'll be uh, looking for that. It's called Metabolical? Yeah. Okay, I wrote that one down. Add that to my list of, uh, of books. Yes, I got like a stack of them. It's like, okay, I need to read all these books. And it's like, okay, I'm slowly getting through them. But, uh, but that being said, Dr. Wendy, we're out of time. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, well, thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. Uh, I love that story, you know, you know, shipping up and moving all the way out in the middle of nowhere to rise bison. And uh, I wish you so much luck. And I've heard so many good things about you. You know, you're, you're a legend in these in these hills back here in the Toronto area. I know everybody yeah. speaks so highly of you. Um, and again, I thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Enjoy the rest of your day. I certainly will. So I'm just going to close off the show. This has been the Metaphysical Mentor Podcast with Michael Philpot. Thank you so much for joining me and goodbye for now.